The first reading this week describes how the wicked treat the righteous, but it doesn't give the reason for their hatred. Is it fear? Embarrassment? Or are they evil, bent on destroying what is righteous? It could be any of those reasons because it comes from one's heart. For those of us fighting for what's right and just, it's a note of caution. Peace must be the root of everything we do. If we focus on welcoming those who are powerless, we will remain the kind of servants Jesus has called us to be. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight, We'll be looking at the readings for the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle B. Our first reading is from Wisdom. It's chapter 2, verse 12, and verses 17 through 20. Our second reading is from the letter of St. James. It's verses, or chapter 3, verses 16 through chapter 4, verse 3. And our gospel reading is from Mark. It's chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Just a couple things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Wisdom is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter of St. James is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Well, tonight we'll see that wicked people are jerks. Greedy, selfish people are wicked. Don't be a wicked jerk. Put others first. Okay, let's start by going through the readings and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from Wisdom. The wicked say, Let us lie and wait for the righteous man, because he is inconvenient to us and opposes our actions. He reproaches us for sins against the law and accuses us of sins against our training. Let us see if his words are true, and let us test what will happen at the end of his life. For if the righteous man is God's child, he will help him and will deliver him from the hand of his adversaries. Let us test him with insult and torture, so that we may find out how gentle he is, and make trial of his forbearance. Let us condemn him to a shameful death, for, according to what he says, he will be protected. Their second reading is from the letter of St. James. Beloved, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. 
those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. And our gospel reading is from Mark. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, Who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from Wisdom, uh, this is sort of a weird reading because almost the entire thing is in the words of the wicked people. And they're clearly focused on tearing down the one they refer to as the righteous man. Now, biblical scholars don't believe that this reference to the righteous man is actually a specific reference to Christ. But they do believe that Christ fulfills the role described in this passage. But for something that wasn't written as a prophecy about the Messiah, I'd have to say it was pretty spot on in its description. I mean, the righteous man is inconvenient and opposes them. He, he criticizes them and accuses them of sins against the law. Yeah, it sure sounds like Jesus. They want to test him, basically saying that they'll, they'll admit his words are true if they, quote, test what will happen at the end of his life. And then if God steps in to rescue him. Wow, okay, that sounds really familiar. But like I said, this, this isn't actually a prophecy about the coming Messiah. It's merely a description of what wicked people do to someone, anyone, who is righteous. They'd speak truth to power, and if those in power are wicked people, they'll come down hard on you. And judging by this passage from the Book of Wisdom, it would be a heck of a lot easier and, and safer to just keep quiet. Because if, if you're on the side of God and justice trying to stand up for what you believe in, then wicked people are likely to be waiting for you, waiting to challenge, test, trap, 
maybe even destroy you. I don't know about you, but I see this playing out every day in the public square. And someone stands up for the rights of marginalized individuals, or they, they stand up against the obscene power and wealth of, of massive businesses and the, the, the oligarchs who control them. And, and they're attacked, shamed, trolled, threatened, you know, even physically harassed. And the wicked who attack, they won't engage in an actual discussion or rational debate. You know, they'll just blast out their obnoxious memes and spew their hateful rhetoric. And the more you try to, to get them to understand, the, the louder and more obnoxious they get. Sometimes they'll even go so far as to claim that they're the ones who are being rational and righteous. They'll claim that you're the wicked one who, who won't listen to reason. So the main message I got from this reading, it isn't exactly a positive one. The main message I came away with is that the wicked just can't tolerate the righteous. It doesn't matter how clearly wrong-headed, illogical, or, or even hateful someone's position is. If they aren't true disciples of Jesus, if they aren't focused on sharing the gospel message of love, forgiveness, and redemption, then they're simply going to attack those who are focused on that. Because the wicked just can't tolerate the righteous. Our second reading was from the letter of St. James. And whoa, does this describe the human condition or what? Where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Now, that's something almost all of us have witnessed with our own eyes. And, and not just you know, played out in politics or on the national stage. This is, this is something most of us can see a lot closer to home, where we work or go to school, uh, sometimes even among family or groups of friends. Uh, I remember working for a boss who was all about his own rise to power. Everything he did was, was designed with his own selfish ambitions in mind. And, and because of that, most of what he did was focused on short-term gains at the expense of the team and, and at the expense of the long-term things that we needed to build and maintain. And he would take the credit on anything that succeeded, and then he'd lay the blame elsewhere for, for anything that failed, regardless of the, the facts of the situation. Now, I also remember working for a boss who was all about empowering the team he coached and mentored, he removed roadblocks, he let us try out new ideas. And, and if we failed, he took the blame and then helped us learn from the experience. You know, sure, he, he held us accountable to him, but in general, he delegated responsibility while retaining all the accountability, at least to those above him on the org chart. You know, there really was no apparent partiality or hypocrisy. And, and similar to what James describes, there was a, a harvest of peace and success because he sowed the seeds of peace. James uses very clear terms to explain why people do horrible things. James says, you want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. 
It's envy and selfish desire that drive people to make bad choices and do horrible things. Of course, he also addresses what many Christians might bring up. Right? Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. So to this, James preemptively says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. James seems to be explaining that it's not about simply asking. It's about the motives behind the asking. It's about the intentions in your heart. It, it's about whether or not you are asking from envy and selfish ambition or from a pure, gentle heart with no trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Of course, if you think about it, someone with a pure, gentle heart isn't likely to ask for the same things that the envious, selfish person does. According to James, war and conflict start from the seeds of envy and selfish ambition that were planted in a person's heart. In the same way, a, a harvest of righteousness is, quote, sown in peace. The seeds of peace also need to be planted in a person's heart. So both war and peace begin in the heart. And only one can thrive there at a time. So the main message I got from our second reading is that both war and peace take root in the heart. When envy and selfish ambition are, are present in a person, they run deep. And the only way for us to achieve a, a just, righteous society is to plant seeds of peace instead. I, I think it's a great analogy because when we plant seeds, they take time to grow and they have to be nurtured and watered and, and allowed to see the sun. If we want peace to have a chance, we need to plant the seeds and care for them while trying to pull out the weeds of envy and selfishness because both war and peace take root in the heart. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. And in the gospel reading, I've got to believe that Jesus is feeling very frustrated. You know, here he is trying to, to share the agony of, of his anticipated death with his disciples, you know, his closest friends, while also trying to help them understand his, his hope in the resurrection. And are they listening and learning? No, of course not. They're, they're too busy arguing among themselves over who is the most important. They're, they're exhibiting that all-too-common human desire for uh, position, prestige, and power. The disciples just don't seem to understand that to be a leader in Jesus' great mission, you don't start with a position or any kind of authority. You start by being a servant. And as we know now, being a servant, the, the way Jesus intends, uh, it just might involve a bit of suffering too. What the disciples weren't grasping is that following Jesus means we have to change our priorities. We can't focus on seeking power or fame, and we certainly shouldn't be arguing with our team over who's the best. Now, to, to follow Jesus 
we need to start by being a servant who welcomes the weak and the lowly. Jesus uses the child as an example, but he was, he was trying to show the importance of welcoming and serving anyone who has no more power than a child. He, he was demonstrating what we need to, to do, what, that we need to welcome the marginalized, the, the outcasts and the needy. And when we do that, we're not only welcoming them, we're also welcoming Jesus. And when we welcome Jesus, we're also welcoming God, the Father. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we must be servants who welcome those with little power. We're not called to serve the rich and powerful, and we're definitely not called to be envious of those folks. Just the opposite, in fact. We're, we're called to be servants of the lowly, to, to care for those who are oppressed, marginalized, or, or otherwise in need. If we want to be true disciples of Christ, we must be servants who welcome those with little power. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Wisdom, the main message I came away with was, the wicked just can't tolerate the righteous. In our second reading from James, the main message I got was, both war and peace take root in the heart. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was, we must be servants who welcome those with little power. The Book of Wisdom describes how the wicked treat the righteous, but it doesn't speak to the reason for their hatred. Is it fear? Are they afraid of those who believe so differently? Is it embarrassment? Are, are they ashamed of their actions and, and therefore they lash out because of their shame? Or are they simply evil, bent on destroying everything good and just and righteous? It could be any, some, or all of those reasons, because as James says, it all comes from what's growing in your heart. If we are Christians who are activists, trying to fight for what's right and just, I think it's a note of caution. We have to ensure that peace remains at the root of everything we do. And if we focus on always welcoming those who are oppressed or marginalized, we will likely remain the kind of servants Jesus has called us to be. All right, so let's take a step back and we'll take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path is any clearer. To do this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? Okay. So what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because the U.S. has a bad habit of seeing military force as being the answer to every problem we see or face around the world. It's like our only tool is a hammer, so every problem looks like a nail. Our country needs to stop thinking that way, which means... All of us need to stop thinking and talking that way as well. We need to get more tools for our global toolkit because most problems are not actually nails. So pounding and pounding on them isn't a good answer. 
We should also care about this because global climate change is a very real existential crisis. But greedy, selfish titans of industry continue to reap the rewards of practices that, that simply cannot be sustained. They, they gather the riches and, and all the rest of us will end up paying the price. Many parts of the world are already facing the challenge of what to do with climate migrants or climate refugees, people who have been forced from their homes and communities due to the impacts of climate change. This problem is only going to get worse if, even if we start making drastic changes to slow the damage we're causing. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? Okay, what are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, the lessons from Scripture are, they're all fine and dandy until you have to translate, translate them into, into the everyday world we live in. We need to figure out how we can possibly be peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy in the way we live our lives. So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. How can we plant the, the right seeds in our hearts so the harvest is righteousness and peace? I, it's a very churchy sounding question, question but, but the answer has to be very realistic and practical. We read these, these wonderful things in Scripture and they sound so poetic when we say them out loud. But your challenge isn't to repeat some beautiful prose. Your challenge is to come up with a practical answer and figure out how we can plant the right seeds in our hearts so that the harvest, what actually comes from it, is righteousness and peace. Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're tackling this difficult task of trying to figure out how to make sure that the seeds of peace are planted in your heart. Keep in mind one of the things that Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If we truly strive for peace and justice, we will be disciples of Christ, and we will be true children of God. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thank you for joining me. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to just use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. You read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, copyright 1989, by the Division of Christian Education of the National Council of the Churches of Christ in the United States of America. Used by permission, all rights reserved. <laughs>